The following program is made possible by the faithful friends and supporters of Higher Aim. Today is all about commitment. We are going to uncover and talk about the fifth word from the cross where Jesus cried out, I thirst. And you may be asking, what is commitment and I thirst? How's that connected? Glad you've asked that question. Stay tuned. You're going to be glad you did. Because honestly, this could change your life. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 27 if you have them, or you can follow along with me because I want to read to you a passage out of Matthew 27 as well as John 19. Because what we will be looking at today is a word of commitment. And these scripture passages set up for us as we are uncovering these seven last words of Christ, a very, very important word for us. So why don't you follow along with me? Here in Matthew it says, as they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. And then, at the very end of the crucifixion, Six hours into the crucifixion, we read from John. Later, knowing that everything had been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine, vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It's important for us to understand the difference between these two drinks. The first was a drink that the Bible tells us was wine mixed with gall. And then the other one is vinegar wine if you will. One, the first one, is what was then considered one of the most uh, strong of all painkillers of the known world at that time. And often soldiers would offer this to men who were being crucified so that, number one, they could endure a longer torturous death but to be anesthetized, if you will, a painkiller so that they would not feel the pain, that they would be numbed to the pain. And Jesus, once he tasted that and realized what it was, refused it. However, at the very end of the crucifixion, the Bible says he cried out, I thirst. If you've ever been with someone who is on the edge of eternity, you understand what the body goes through. 
And being with someone as I have often been in those last moments of their life, their, their tongue is dry, their mouth is parched, and Jesus is able to speak, probably in a whisper, I thirst. And they offered him this other drink, which was nothing more than uh, diluted, if you will, wine. For you see, there were six kinds of wine in the uh, first century. Half of them, three of them, were alcoholic. The other half were uh, basically like grape juice, if you will. They, they were not as strong. And it was this wine that at the last that was a soothing drink that a soldier took a sponge and took the hyssop plant. And remember what the Bible tells us about a hyssop plant. The hyssop plant was the plant that was dipped in the blood of the lamb. You remember in the first Passover and the blood was painted over the doorpost of the Hebrews. And he would take that hyssop plant with that sponge and lift it up to Jesus and Jesus was able to taste that and it would soothe his tongue and give him the ability to speak very clearly for what he would say in the last final two words were very important. And so you and I, you and I need to realize that there, there are two kinds of drink, if you will, offered. One Jesus refused, one Jesus took. Do you understand what he was doing? He was full-blown committed. He did not want any painkiller. He did not want to miss clarity of his mind, even though it would cost him physically with great suffering. He had full capacity of all of his faculties, and he endured the pain and the agony and the torture of the cross for you and for me. He was full-blown committed. And there was nothing to ease the pain nor to uh, pad what he was doing for you and for me on the cross. For you see, Jesus was committed. And this word stands in between these two drinks, one a shortcut, a pain reliever, and another a soothing gift. I would tell you Satan was behind the first drink offered. God was behind the second drink offered. One was offering Jesus a, a shortcut. One, the other, the last, was there out of comfort and blessing for clarity for you and for me. I really believe that you and I need to understand that the Bible says a great deal to us about commitment. So I wanna give you several thoughts tonight. First of all, you and I need to reject this first painkiller, and that is a religion that practices no repentance. You need to hear that, let me say it again. You and I need to reject a religion that practices no repentance. You know that's the kind of religion that is being hawked 
as the wear of Christianity today, where everything about self-esteem is honored, but dying to self is dishonored. Everything about joy and emotion is embraced, and everything that has to deal with brokenness and repentance is pushed to the side. You and I need to look at our lives and understand that God calls us to practice repentance. Repentance is where we acknowledge our sin, we are broken over our sin, and we turn and are willing to walk another direction, and that's toward God and away from ourselves and the world. I would want to give you this thought that it would sink down deep in your heart and your mind this day, and that is watered-down Christianity has no thirst-quenching power for the soul. You say it again. Watered-down Christianity has no thirst-quenching power for the soul. And that's why you and I are watching so many people who, honestly, you would think that they are followers of Christ, but they fall out left and right along the streets of life. You know why? Because they practice a religion without repentance. Repentance is honestly a work that God does. It's a work that God makes happen. And just like Eugenie de Quarren once said, when the soul has laid down its faults at the feet of God, it feels as though it had wings. And God wants us to move in that direction. He wants you to have wings, but it will not happen. You won't sprout wings in your life unless there is first brokenness that takes you to your knees. Unless you go to your knees, there'll be no wings on your back. You need to grab hold of that and understand that. This is a very important thing. Satan would offer people to be religious, but just don't get out of control. You can follow Christ, he would say, but real repentance and brokenness over your sin, all that's optional. And nothing could be further from the truth. As Jesus was committed, you and I, need to understand what that commitment really means. C.S. Lewis once said, most people don't want enough of Christ to change their lives. They just want enough of Christianity to give them social respectability. But you and I are called by God to be men and women who are full-blown committed all the way with no painkillers, especially that of embracing a religion that practices no repentance. There's another painkiller that you and I need to look at, and that is this. You and I need to reject a relationship with no risk of responsibility. It seems like that's the, the, the whole story of our culture. Nobody wants to be responsible. No one wants to uh, pay the price, if you will. We want a free ride with free fun and free food and free fellowship, but we don't want commitment. The, the reality is that God wants us to be responsible and, and be in a relationship with him where we become responsible. God wants us to be saved, yes, 
but he wants us to work that salvation out with fear and trembling. And it, it is part of the process of understanding that I am responsible. I am responsible to the Lord. I'm responsible to my family. I am responsible in my church. I am responsible in a community. I'm, a, I'm responsible before God to be an ambassador for Christ in my culture. But many of us, we would rather be spectators, unfortunately, and nothing will take you out of the line of being committed before God and to the Lord than thinking that it's okay to have a relationship that has no responsibility. And many of us, well, some of us, we treat our church membership like a swinging door experience. If something's preached or something's sung, if too much commitment is called or too much sacrifice is invited or we don't like the music enough to move us, then we go, well, there's another place across the street or down the road, and we know nothing of what it means to be committed. We love to march, but sometimes we are not willing to march to the mandate of God. We march often to our own whims that are based upon sometimes a lack of understanding of not only the word of God, but the call of God upon your life. You see, Jesus said that if we're going to follow him, that we need to count the cost, and God is calling you to count the cost. Wilbur Rees, in a, a little book written in the early 70s, uh, in entitled $3 Worth of God, wrote this. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. And many of us, that's where we live and that's where we walk and we miss out on what it really means to be committed. And when Jesus resisted and refused that first drink, not to take a painkiller, you and I need to resist taking painkillers in the midst of making things easy and comfortable. Now, I want you to know that there are many churches today, and they have been existing for years, and uh, you may call them extremely seeker-sensitive. And there's nothing wrong with being seeker-sensitive, by the way, because what that says is that we care about people who don't know Christ, who are beginning to explore what it means to follow Christ. And often out of misguided love and compassion, there is a watering down of the gospel and a minimizing of the responsibility that is required in following Christ. And so therefore, there is a vacuum today in many churches across our country that says, Man, we just want you to pack the pews. We want you to fill the chairs. And we want you to enjoy yourself rather than calling people to another cut above 
cultural Christianity, and that is New Testament Christianity that says, I am all in. I am totally all in. I am all committed. I am totally all committed. And God calls us for that. And it may not be popular. In fact, it is not popular to cut like that. And it is not pleasant for the human soul to hear that God calls more of us than we are willing to give. And we would rather bask in our sin, sadly, because it comforts us, but only so far, because it leaves you with a hole in your heart. And God wants us to be men and women that are willing to be ready, willing, able, and committed to pay whatever price it calls for to truly follow Christ. Remember the story of King David? His palace was south of where the Temple Mount would be. And God laid it on his heart to purchase the threshing floor of a man that owned it. And the Bible tells us this in the scripture. But the king replied to Aruna, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. Isn't that interesting? That this man was willing to give it all. And David said, I'm not going to offer anything to God that doesn't cost me. You know, many of us, we would rather have somebody pay our ticket, pay our way to soothe the path for our lives. But I need to tell you about our church. Our church stands today on the commitment and the sacrifice of people who started this church over 50 years ago this year. And their commitment and their sacrifice is paying dividends in your life and in my life. And it is a privilege for us to be here. But you and I need to be careful in this day and time to think somehow or another it's okay for us to quote unquote walk with God but risk no responsibility. God wants us to be responsible for the ministries that he calls us to, to underwrite them, but do more than underwrite financially, to underwrite them with your service and your heart and your life. I speak this to you who have become comfortable in your padded seat, that somehow or another, if I step on your toes, that you would move your blessed assurance, that you would move into action and get to the place to where you are serious about following Christ with everything you have. Because I'm gonna share this with you. Here's a key principle. Real joy comes in responsibility and commitment. You want the fulfillment and the joy that will happen in your life? It's going to come on the heels of your commitment. You will only be embracing fake joy unless there is an investment in responsibility and commitment in your life to follow Christ with everything. Jesus did not take a painkiller. You and I must not embrace a relationship that risks no responsibility. And I would share with you a final word, and it's simply this. You and I need to reject the painkiller 
where there is a rejoicing in a victory that runs no risk of rejection. Let me say it again. You and I need to resist this painkiller that, that seeks to rejoice in a victory that runs no risk of rejection. Let me tell you something. Our culture loves to reject people. Have you noticed that? Our culture loves to slam other people, especially in social media, because they're far enough away that they can throw a a, a flaming word or two at someone which is a weak man's substitute for courage, and they slash and burn and run. But you, as a child of God, you need to understand you are different. You have been cut out of a different piece of cloth. You do not belong to this world. You belong to Jesus Christ. And therefore, you and I are to live for him with full-blown intention. You and I are to be committed with everything we have. However, you're going to risk rejection when you do these three things. Number one, you're going to risk rejection uh, when you seek to live pure and stand for what is right. Some of you, you have family members that you deeply love who have resisted the word of God and have rearranged their values. And some of them push you away and it hurts you deeply. Well, let me just tell you something. The whole culture is pushing believers away today. As never before, there is a reaction of great animosity to someone who would say, I am a follower of Christ. You see, God has not called us to be winners of popularity contests. Rather, he wants us to be involved in being proclaimers. One of the things about persuasive speaking is, if you don't like what someone says, then you do your best to destroy the character of that individual. That's what lawyers do on uh, a court uh, setting. If they cannot take down or... have some kind of word that uh, turns what a witness said that could damage their case, they will begin to try to destroy the credibility of the witness. And you see, we are in a courtroom today. Our whole culture is looking at what they think about Christ. And your life and your words make all the difference in the world. That's why you need to back it up with your life. But let me just tell you something. If you don't want to have rejection in your life, well, compromise yourself. Don't seek to be pure. Don't seek to, be, to live right. Instead, do something totally different. Go with the world. Embrace the world's values, and they will always embrace you. We risk, risk rejection when we do another thing, when we desire to witness vocally. When's the last time you shared Christ with somebody? that did not believe. That when you talk to somebody about repenting of sin and placing their faith in Christ, I need to tell you, that makes people feel uncomfortable. It really does. You know why? Because people don't want to talk about their sin. They'd rather talk about your sin or someone else's sin. And you will risk being rejected when you desire to witness vocally. But God has called us to do that, hasn't he? Yes, he has. There's another thing that will happen in your life. We risk rejection when we do this next thing, when we begin to walk committed. You decide that you will not drink any kind of pain-killing drink to keep you from being full-blown committed to Christ, that you will be 
all in to follow Christ and you won't take the shortcut and you'll begin to stand for Jesus this day for the rest of your life and you're going to risk rejection by your family and by your friends and yes, by even the people you work with, much less people you don't even know. Let me just tell you something. I need to be honest with you. This is not uh, a message that is a feel-good message, uh, don't you know? If you haven't figured that out yet, now you have. You see, God has not come to make us feel good, but to be good from the inside out. And that'll change your life, and you'll begin to live differently when you fall in love with Christ. You see, there's a thought I need to share with you, and it's simply this. The rejoicing of our victory will only be as great as the risk we have run in rejection as we have stood for Christ. God calls you to be committed. The real question is, will you be committed? Will you run the gamut all the way through, full-blown committed to Jesus, regardless of what it costs, regardless of where it will call you, regardless of what command from the Lord, you must say, yes, Lord. Will you be that committed just like Jesus was at the cross when he could have taken a shortcut, he rejected that drink. In just a moment, Dr. Dodd will return with a closing thought. Are you a power mom? Would you like to be? What does that even mean? During the month of May, we celebrate moms. So if you're a mom or you know one, we have a gift for you. We'd like to send you an audio CD of Dr. Dodd's message entitled, How to Become a Power Mom. You'll discover what that means and how to become one. To receive your free copy of How to Be a Power Mom, call or go online today. Well, the big question remains, and it's a very personal, very subjective question that I need to ask you right now. Are you fully committed to Christ? I mean, not just with your words, but with your actions. Are you totally all in with Jesus? Are you willing to stand against the world? Stand on his word, even when that makes you unpopular. This word of commitment is a very powerful one. And you know in your heart where you are. If you have had one foot in the world and one foot in the church, where you are partly committed but not fully committed to Jesus, I pray that this day you would make a fresh commitment to follow Jesus with everything you have. And if you have never taken that first step to give your life to Christ, call us. There are folks who are on the other line, if you'll just call us, who want to pray with you to show you how to receive Christ and just walk with you through whatever you're walking through. Call us. We're here for you. And by the way, connect with us. Why don't you? You can connect with us on higheraim.org and you can connect with us by signing up for one of the daily devotions, as well as we've got a special gift that we would like to offer you as just a thank you 
for watching. So connect, will you? I mean, just pick up the phone or go online. God bless you for being with us this day. I'm praying that you'll have a great week. See you next time. Thank you for joining us on Higher Aim. Have you been encouraged by what you've heard today? We would love to hear from you. Call 1-800-491-4400. Visit us at higheraim.org or write to us at Higher Aim, Post Office Box 8100, Omaha, Nebraska 68108. Thank you again for joining us. See you next time on Higher Aim. The preceding program was brought to you by the faithful supporters of Higher Aim.